Okay, before we look at God's word together, let's just join together in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you have revealed yourself to us. And you revealed yourself to us in your word. And we pray that as we look at your word today, that you might open our hearts and our minds to receive from you, that we might be receptive to your Holy Spirit, and that we might respond to your word in word and in deed. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's always lovely, isn't it, to receive a personal letter. In these days of WhatsApp messages and text messages and emails, it's lovely especially, isn't it, to, to receive a handwritten note. Because whilst a, a WhatsApp message or email can be quite impersonal, you know that with a letter that someone has taken the time and the effort to, to choose a card or a, or a note and to, and to write. And something of their, their personality is, is passed on through the writing and the, and the stroke of the pen, isn't it? And, you know, perhaps you see wee doodles or whatever it might be, just wee flourishes, and it just reminds you uh, so much of the person who's writing to you. And whereas a, a text message or an email can be dashed off and then just sent straight away, a letter is somewhat more personal, isn't it? Someone has to write it and then seal the envelope, and then go to the post office and buy a stamp and decide first class or second class, and it takes a few days to get to you, doesn't it? Now, this morning we're beginning a new series looking at Galatians. And this is a letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, which was a Roman province in what is now Turkey. And the context of the letter is that after Paul and probably Barnabas too had evangelized the Galatians, missionaries of a different sort have now visited the people of Galatia. And it appears that these opponents of Paul saw believing in Jesus as a first step if these Gentiles were to be saved. But then following this, there needed to be circumcision and a, a commitment to observe the Jewish law. And those who were teaching this seemed to be aware that what they were teaching departed from the message of Paul. And so it appears that these second lot of missionaries that have come to these people in Galatia are suggesting that, that Paul, who had come to these people first, was not really an apostle at all. He wasn't a true apostle. Paul, they were contending, received his message secondhand through what others had told him about Jesus, and Paul had got this message wrong. Now, to address these issues and to counter these false teachers, Paul writes this letter, the letter to the Galatians. Now, unlike several of Paul's other letters, it doesn't appear to have a co-sender. And Paul tells us more about himself and his past in this letter than any of his other letters, a much more personal letter than we see in the other letters. And in this letter, we see Paul speaking about the nature of his apostleship 
as well as about justification, the nature and role of the law, the freedom of the believer, the gift of the Spirit, the ongoing struggle between flesh and the Spirit. And he also touches on Christian ethics too. It's a lot to take in in this small letter. But we're only going to be looking at the first 10 verses today. So with these kind of opening remarks, just to give you a bit of context, let's look at these first 10 verses. Now, in the first five verses, we see the opening of this letter. We see Paul's introduction to this letter. There are three things I want you to notice in these first five verses. Firstly, Paul makes it clear that as an apostle, someone who's sharing the good news, he's been sent from Jesus Christ and God the Father. He has not been sent from men or by a man. That's what he makes clear here. Now, this is not Paul bigging himself up and saying, look, I've been sent from God. I've not been sent from from people. That's not really what Paul is, is, is kind of bigging himself up. This is Paul refuting the accusations against him. Because immediately he's saying that he is truly an apostle. And he isn't an apostle because people have put him in that position. He's an apostle because God has revealed himself to Paul. This is a calling from God, not a calling from people. He's truly been sent from God. And we'll see more of this later in chapter 1, God willing. Now, secondly, just in the opening here, I want you to see in verses 3 through to 5 that Paul centers himself on the gospel. The gospel which says that Jesus gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. And so Paul, in these verses, verses 3 to 5, summarizes what the gospel is and ascribes glory to God for it. Now, this is also important for what comes later in this letter, where opponents of Paul are are trying to add to the gospel by saying, yes, believe and trust in Jesus, but you also have to do this. You have to be circumcised or, or follow the Mosaic law. You've got to follow those requirements. We must always guard against things to add other requirements in order for us to be saved. You see, the gospel at one level is simple. Jesus gives himself for our sins to rescue us. It isn't about being a good person because none of us is truly good. It's not about our own righteousness because salvation is all of grace. It's about what God has done in Jesus Christ. And at the outset of this letter, that's what Paul wants to to make clear. He's saying this is what salvation is. It's in Jesus. It's grace that's found in him. Now, the third thing I want you to notice just in these first five verses is what's missing at the beginning of this letter. You see, just in the same way, when we write a letter, we have a certain form of of doing things. I wonder if you remember that from school. 
I remember it from school. You had to, to set out a letter. You had to put address here and maybe your own address there. And then you had to put whatever. And you had to put a wee subject and everything. And you just sorted it out. So it was in a certain order. When in Paul's time, it was exactly the same. They had a certain order uh, of doing things. And you see that replicated in Paul's letters. But what I want you to see here is what's missing. You notice something that's missing in this letter? Because in Paul's other letters, if you know them, like Ephesians, 1 Thessalonians, for example, even 1 Corinthians, there's usually some kind of thanksgiving and prayer at the beginning of the letter. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes this at the beginning, we always thank God for you and mention you in our prayers. That's the way he starts his letter. But here in Galatians, that's missing. There's no niceties at all. Did you notice that? No thanking God for the Galatians. No assurance of praying for them, although I'm sure Paul is. The question is why? Well, it seems to me that the issue that he's going to write to the Galatians about is so serious that he just wants to get straight to it. And there's no beating about the bush here, is there? I mean, when we read it this morning, perhaps you were quite shocked by just how straight Paul is. So, so often in our lives, we can beat about the bush, can't we? Not say what's truly on our mind. But Paul's straight into it. What does he say here? I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You see, this is Paul throwing up his hands and saying, What are you doing? What are you doing? I came to you. I shared the gospel with you. And now you've turned away completely. And you're saying things need to be added to it. What are you doing? Have you lost your mind? Paul is saying God has called you to live in the grace of Christ. And you're turning to a different gospel. Which isn't a gospel at all. What are you doing, Galatians? What are you doing? Now, why Paul seems to be so upset and angry is that the Galatians are in danger. They're in danger of being led from the truth. Their salvation is in jeopardy. You see, Paul, probably with his friend Barnabas, had gone and proclaimed the gospel to those in Galatia. But others out with Galatia have since come, evidently told the Galatians that the gospel that Paul has proclaimed isn't really adequate, that there's more to it, and that actually if the Galatians want to be true believers, they need to be circumcised, they need to follow the works of the law, and then they'll be truly saved. But it isn't a coincidence that right to the beginning of this letter, Paul writes grace and peace to you. You see, the true gospel is about grace. That's the gospel of Christ. And Paul uses some strong language in verses 8 and 9, doesn't he? Even if we are an angel should preach a gospel other than the one that we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. And Paul wants to make that point so strongly, he basically repeats himself again in verse 9. If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Why does Paul repeat it? He wants to show how serious an issue this is. 
that the gospel is about grace. And nothing can be added to what Jesus has done. You see, it seems that the opponents of Paul have been saying that Paul has been preaching this gospel of grace because Paul is a people pleaser and he just wants human approval. But Paul is anything but a people pleaser. What he's concerned about is the truth. And that's why in this letter he reminds the Galatians of how he was called by God on the Damascus Road. We know that from Acts chapter 8. And how it was God who appointed him as an apostle. And the gospel he is proclaiming is the truth. He truly is a servant of Christ, sharing the true gospel. Now sometimes when we come to a letter like this in the New Testament, where Paul has written to a particular people for a particular time, it sometimes might be quite hard for us to, to, to work through what God might be saying to us through his word. What is God saying to us 2,000 years later? Because we look at this passage, we kind of scratch our heads about it. We see that Paul is passionate about something. We see he's dismayed at what's happening, but we think, oh, well, you know, that's just what was happening in Galatia at the time. But what can this say to us? But what I hope we've already seen and read in this letter is that Paul is outlining here what the true gospel is. And that's as relevant now as when Paul wrote these words to the Galatians. You see, there's still a view out there, and even within the church, that as long as you're a good person and do the right things, that you will be saved. That's a view in the world, isn't it? And it even pervades in the church. If you're a good person, you'll go to heaven. That's false. Of course it's false. And what I want you to see is at the bottom of that kind of view is actually pride. You see, we all want to be, to be well thought of. We all want to, to think of ourselves as good people, don't we? And so we think, oh, well, I'm not, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than them. That's what we want to think in our minds. If I'm honest with myself, often that's what I think. It's pride. And to think that we are all sinners, as Paul says elsewhere in Romans, there is no one righteous, not even one. Well, that hurts our pride a bit, doesn't it? You know, Lord, okay, I'm not perfect, but you know, not righteous at all. Filthy in sin, oh, that can't be me, can it? Yes, it is. That's the reality. You see, in some ways, I think we would like to earn our salvation. To think that doing good things would earn us brownie points and let us earn our way with God as if God is some kind of loyalty scheme that you get at the supermarket. But what Paul is saying here, and we'll say throughout Galatians, is that salvation is all of grace. It's grace. Salvation comes through God's grace alone, which we grasp by faith. Now, of course, that offends our pride, but we are to grasp that free gift. That though we could not earn our way with God and pay the price for our salvation, that Jesus has died for our sin and risen again from the dead, 
to give us hope. You see, Paul is being accused of being a people pleaser by his opponents, of making salvation too easy because it's all about grace. They want to add works to it. But Paul says, there's only one gospel, one true gospel, and it's a gospel of grace where God reaches out to sinners. And we're all sinners, every one of us. God reaches out to sinners, Jew and Gentile, and brings them to a place of salvation. It doesn't matter if you think you're relatively good or bad or terrible, because we're all sinners. We need that grace, and that's how salvation comes. And so I say to you today, especially if you're not a Christian, or you think Christianity is just about good works, just about being a good person. It isn't. Swallow your pride. Understand we're all sinners, undeserving of God's grace. And yet, amazingly, unbelievably, God reaches out to us and gives us full salvation. Is that not wonderful? This is not a, a, a downbeat message this morning. This is a wonderful message. That God is a God of grace. And when we were unable to reach out to him, he reached out to us in mercy. Sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. That we might have salvation. It's a free gift. Through which we find peace. Are you looking for peace this morning? You won't find peace through good works. Trying to earn your salvation. You'll find peace through Jesus Christ. And if you are a Christian today, two things. Firstly, let's not desert the one who called us to salvation. You see, maybe you've tasted the salvation of the Lord. You know it's all about grace. Really, you know that. You know that in your head, but sometimes it's missing in your heart. Maybe you've fallen back into a way of trying to earn favor with God, trying to earn your salvation. I say to you today, come back. Come back to a place of repentance and faith in God and the God of grace. I know the peace and joy that he brings. And the second thing, let's not in word or in action lead people to believe that being a Christian is about living a good life or being a good person. Now, don't misunderstand me here. A Christian, of course, should do good works, but it isn't good works that save them. Good works come from a thankful heart, grateful for all that God has done in Jesus Christ. But the gospel is a gospel of grace. That's what Paul preached let us in our lives not preach any other gospel. And as we believe that gospel, may we know the peace that Jesus brings. So this morning I encourage you, look at the words that Paul writes here. See his indignation that people are adding to this gospel. Understand that the gospel is a gospel of grace available for all of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. It's a gospel of grace grasped by faith. And all you have to do 
is to believe and trust in Jesus. It's not hard, is it? Yes, it will cost you everything you have. But it's not hard. And God wants you to come into the kingdom. Will you come? Will you come and know the peace and joy that God alone can bring? Good works can't bring it to you. Only God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, can do this.